Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Larry Kim here, and today we have a special guest with us. His name's Dr. J, and we're going to be talking about the ad tech industry and what's been going on with that. But before we get into anything, um, Dr. J, would you like to kind of take a moment to introduce yourself and um, discuss a bit on how you kind of got into the ad tech industry and wh- what you were doing before? Yeah, thank you, Leonard. Uh, so, hello, everybody. This is uh, J. Flahens, or Dr. J. Flahensio. Uh, the doctor comes from my PhD in educational technology from uh, Oklahoma State University. Uh, go folks! Um, and so, how I really got into the ad tech field was a, a little by accident from my experiences. So I've been teaching in the education world, mostly in uh, higher ed, for a, a decade plus now. And you know, during my teaching practices, I noticed that I like to use a lot of at tech in the classroom, so it was only natural that I got into that uh, to get my PhD with the folks, and of course, also from my experiences in, in the business world and, and startups. Yeah, I can see that's how that's a healthy transition, especially when you're using the ed tech resources in the classroom, how someone would kind of gravitate towards moving into the ed tech industry themselves. Uh, so you've been doing this for about how long in the ed tech industry? So I well, I got my um, my PhD in 2018, but I've really been really in like the ed tech world since really since like 2015. So mm-hmm. maybe over what now eight years now or oh, wow. seven years. So so yeah. So you basically so was, kind of seen it all. Yeah, like I've I got really into it when you know everybody was like, oh, we got to use Twitter in the classroom. It's all about Twitter and. I was like, well, I don't know about that, but you know, I dabbled in it, and it didn't work out very well. So that's when I really started getting more involved, uh, uh, you know, with ed tech. Yeah, I can see that. Back in about 2014, uh, 2015, um, one of my. Um, teachers uh she was teaching ethnic studies she was using twitter a lot at that time which seems to be around the same time that you were using it uh so you kind of seen a lot of developments kind of arise and a lot of things that just didn't work when it comes to like ed tech and so forth uh, before yeah. we get into any of that what would really what do you find are the most significant uh differences that ed tech kind of has made into the world of teaching in general so what changes have they made, you asked? Or, yeah, what, what um, improvements has it done for, like, the overall student, the overall professor, teacher, and so forth? Yeah. So I think there has been significant improvements, I just want to say, maybe in the last five years or so, that I that when I started getting involved, because I remember, you know, folks with, the, you know, companies would just, you know, here's a piece of technology you can use in a classroom, and it was just mostly entertainment purposes with no learning outcomes. So it's like, okay, I'm using this in the classroom, but how are my students learning? You know, what's the outcome of that? Because anybody who successfully uses ed tech in a classroom, whether it's K-12, whether it's high ed, or even adult learning, it's like, okay, it's great and all, but what, what are my students going to learn? You know, what's the outcome? Because I need, at the end of the day, students need to learn. So I've seen ed tech companies have really kind of we implement such, you know, what's the learning outcome of it, the training as well, because once you implement something in the classroom, the educator or teacher or professor needs some type of training to use it. So that's what I've seen an improvement on. Of course, there's still improvements to be made, but, um, but I, what, I, what I have seen, though, is that a lot of um, companies have actually you know, kind of done away with the free stuff and now have made people pay for it, so. Yeah, uh, it's kind of moved away from that freemium model, especially nowadays. Um, Do you think uh, the recent COVID and inflation and things kind of have to do a part with that? Because I know a lot of companies have been struggling during that time. Or did you see it kind of shift uh, before that? I think COVID um, really ramped up the, the, the doing away with the freemiums. Like, for example, a good example would be Padlet, right? P-A-D-L-E-T. 
a lot of teachers used to use it. I mean, they used it a lot in the classroom because it was free. A lot of it was free, and you can use all these, you know, you could have all these boards, these virtual boards for free. And all of a sudden, they came in, you know, lockdown where you had to pay, you know, after one or two pads, virtual pads, you would have to pay. So I think that the COVID, the pandemic did help and ramp up away with the freedom. And of course, these tech companies had to realize, yeah, we have a mission with, you know, education, but at the same time, we have to pay the bills. You know, we have to, we're running a company here. So, you know, so, you know, you have to make money, you know, cash is king, as we know in business. So as long as we like doing this education stuff, but we have to pay the bills at the end of the day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I know when it comes to like con, uh, conventional methods of teaching, you usually have a teacher or professor going out there and you have students kind of going out there and reading books and so forth. Uh, you've probably seen a lot of things when it comes to ed tech that haven't really made a difference in the learning process. What are some of the things that made the least impact in the world of uh, ed tech? Correct. Is always asked the the least the, the least uh, impact. Yeah, the least impact. Uh, you know, I think there's still uh, the the least impact. I don't think it done. It I don't think EdTech has done away with actual textbooks. Um, you know, there was always in the EdTech world. You know, um, there was always this thing. You know, Thomas Edison famously said, "You know." Videos is going to do away with textbooks in a classroom. And, you know, fast forward to 2022, we still see textbooks in the classroom. So it hasn't really made an impact in, in that sense. Um, you know, that's the one I can think of, think of top of my, my, my head. Um, and we still, there's still struggles, though, with uh, the cost. You know, a lot of, you know, districts, especially in K-12, even higher ed, you know, that's, there's still a cost factor, and sometimes they weigh in the issue of, you know, can we afford this to put in the classroom, even though it's great, but that cost factor. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I remember when I was in community college and I pulled up, like, an electronic version of the textbook. It's pretty hard to read. Uh, you don't get yeah. the same experience that you kind of get with the physical textbook just because of all the software that kind of prevents you from sharing it to another person. Uh, I yeah. think it kind of, like, diminishes a lot of the experience when it comes to actually reading and acquiring the knowledge. Of a textbook. Yep. Yeah. Um, sure. On the yeah. other side of things, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, on the other side of things, I mean, I've heard of a lot of great things that have happened in the world of ed tech here and there. Um, you, you're also working on some stuff as well, too, right? Uh, yeah, working around ed tech. Cool. Um, what do you think are some of the most impactful things that you've kind of seen? I think some of the most impactful things I think has been access to uh, educational materials. Like, for example, um, what I've seen is the rise of open educational resources. Um, you know, that's free educational resources such as, tech, you know, online textbooks and software and learning material across the world. That has really given the opportunity. Like, for example, edX is one uh, um uh, you know, they're providing some of that, that open educational resources. So that's providing, you know, educational material to people who maybe 10, 15 years ago couldn't have access to that material because they had to pay for it. And it's really made an impact, you know, outside of the United States and parts of like Latin America and, and the African continent and such that, you know, people now have access to this, this material that they couldn't before. So I think, you know, EdTech has, has really done that, with, with, especially with open educational resources. Of course, it has, you know, there needs to be some improvements with OER, but of course, it's, it's in its gain and it's made significant improvements. I, I see that significantly. Um, as a business major, uh, one of the things that when a business teacher did is he put us through like a simulation to kind of go on to run a company and you change like numbers and pricing around and what you pay um, people and so forth. And while a simulation is educational to some degree, 
being able to read material, learn about people's experiences, uh, how companies succeed and how they fail. Um, and for me, uh, being in marketing, kind of having lots of resources available at the tip of my fingertips, like uh, substantially improve my prospects in my career, um, let alone even going out there and um, finding a topic of interest to go out there and figure out and learn something new. Like there's endless amounts of resources, and it's pretty amazing to have so much availability for almost anything you want to learn. I mean, some extremely highly specialized things are unavailable, but for most of anything, you can find that material online now, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 like you hit it on the spot. I mean, with technology nowadays, with our, even our smartphones, right? We can access any content we really want, um, you know, just or go on even YouTube, you know, type in, you know, what is entrepreneurship or, you know, digital marketing. And there's a plethora of, of, of videos. Now, all of them are of quality. You know, that's a question there, but at least the resource is there. Yeah, that's true. And you can find anything. Like, let's say you want to go out there and you want to learn woodworking or how to make a cabinet look pretty. It's like, I would have yeah. never thought you could look this stuff up. But you have someone going out there yeah. detailing each and every single step. It's like, wow, what what can you not learn out yeah. there? And it's amazing. Like, if I was growing up nowadays and I was, like, 15 or 16, I, like, the amount of skills that I could really pick up from what I learned from the overall uh, vast resources of what's on the Internet are kind of endless. It kind of gives people the opportunity to really go out there and choose their own destiny more so than when I was, like, growing up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, it's definitely been been a game changer. When I was an undergrad, I kind of wished this all this material was still out there because that was once I finished college, that's when you started seeing the YouTubes really grow a lot and other other ed tech uh, resources come along. Yeah, and I mean, like, when, when I rewind back to when I was, like, 17 or 18, and, you know, people were like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life for work? Like, at that time, I feel the scope was pretty, like, myopic, and there wasn't really much choices that you could really dive into, and you kind of had to take a gamble and a guess on exactly what you wanted to do. Um, while nowadays, mm -hmm. like, let's say you want to go out there and become a doctor, you can actually see people do surgery, and you can be like, wait a minute, do I really want to do that? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, for certain. And you're speaking about that, like, a lot, now a lot of kids, you know, you ask them, a lot of them want to be social media superstars now instead of being a doctor or a lawyer now. So that has changed. Yeah, and then also at the same time, I think a lot of people aren't aware of what, like, a regular business career could really manifest into for the reality of someone. But even nowadays, we have, like, labor laws kind of changing things where um, I believe in New York, everyone has to post the salaries for their positions now. And in a few months, that's going to happen for California, too. So, like, I remember when I was, like, 17, 18, I'm like, what's going to make me the most money? And then that kind of determined what direction my life would head into. When yeah. in reality, like, if you kind of look at, like, a... Any type of position, like if you're in operations, human resources, whatever it may be, um, a lot of those top positions at companies kind of pay the same, so it kind of widens the scope of what you could go out there and do as opposed to focusing on like the dollar amount as opposed to what's more within a person's wheelhouse. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, so when it comes to, um, let's say, the retention of material, what do you find is some of the ed tech that kind of helps and, uh, people to really go out there and retain material better? I think in order to retain material for students, it really has to do with the um, learning management system. And I know mm -hmm. it probably doesn't have to 
itself would do with the retention, but it helps, you know, if the learning management system is, you know, easy to use and interactive and gives students some award like a digital badge, but then it gets students to come back or reminders, of course. Um, you know, of course, the, the design of the textbook, if it's an online textbook, of course, you know, maybe that'll do some retention, but it's really difficult to say which technology tool will help do that because it, it, over the years and speaking with educators, it's getting really hard and harder for students to actually get them to read or anybody really. I mean, when was the last time people normally read a, a whole book, right? And so it's become more difficult. So how do we get students engaged in the classroom with reading? You know, what tool does the tool even help? Um, you know, but the, how can we get them to actually do the work and do it adequately? Um, you know, will the online textbook do or just a normal textbook? So it's kind of hard to answer that question, but, it, you know, um, it's just, it starts off with the interaction of the classroom, how the educator interacts with them uh, to kind of help them retain that material. Yeah, I remember, like, back in high school, flashcards were really a thing. But maybe now digital flashcards are helping. And I could see that um, as students get younger and younger, as they're more um, sucked into what's on, like, TikTok and Instagram and other social platforms, that video kind of captures attention a lot more than reading, especially as um, <clears throat> our um, youth kind of evolve and grow up through society. So I see a lot of challenges there, especially with just getting people to read. Anyways, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Where can people find you online, um, Dr. J? So, yeah, they can go to uh, jphd18.com, so J-A-Y-P-H-D, and the number 18.com. They can visit me on my website, they can uh, also follow me at, at JPHD18 uh, on social media. So that's definitely where they can find me. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you feel stuck, exhausted, or just unsure of how to handle everything at once that life is throwing your way, you'll want to listen to What's Important Now, Making Time for What Matters Most with Eva Medelec. Eva and her guests will help you learn to focus on the most important priorities in your life so you can handle them one at a time instead of being constantly overwhelmed. What's Important Now, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Larry Kim here with Dr. J. We've been talking a lot about the ad tech industry in general when we kind of look at how technology has paved its way into education and some of the changes it's made and some of the challenges that people in the ed tech industry are facing and um, some of the struggles that students face overall with going out there and reading material with this new culture that we have um, that's heavily involved with like TikTok and Instagram and so forth. Uh, Dr. J, you work at a company called LearnGenics, right? Can you tell us more about that and what they do and how that works? Yeah, so thank you. Uh, yeah, so LearnGenics is a learning and development solutions provider, uh, providing companies, organizations, and individuals uh, online courses, certifications, and providing learning management systems, consultation, and uh, technology tools. Awesome. So can you kind of dive in on some uh, things that you've kind of seen uh, went uh, over the years of working with them? So, yeah. So one of the things that we do, so I'll just give a quick example. So one of the, some of the courses we provide are Spanish uh, training uh, courses. Um, and we work with a company out in Minnesota that provides these Spanish training courses, um, you know, in, in business and in, in training and sales. Uh, to provide for, you know, for, for business leaders or individuals who, who need that training in Spanish. Um, and, of course, working with our partner, MyNudge, uh, who, which we are an authorized reseller of their online courses that provides uh, professional you know, development, uh, you know, credits. And so that's some of the things that, that we do. And, of course, you know, partnering with Cypher Learning as a certified reseller of the learning management system. Oh, awesome. So um, by being uh, focused mostly in the Spanish community, uh, you're kind of going out there and targeting an audience that's not really being addressed by the mainstream um, ed tech platforms. Uh, do you feel that there is uh, more of a need for this because of the uh, South American countries and the huge population of Spanish speakers there? Well, that's just one of the things we do, and I think right now we mostly focus in the U.S. And I think we, you know, want to realize that there's not in, there, there's not enough uh, Spanish training uh, courses uh, out there for them. And of course, you know, you know, how do you make sure that individuals who may not be very computer savvy uh, obtain this information or, or get this information? So that's you know one of the things that we we, we have within our platform. Is providing such courses uh, for, uh, for them, and of course, you know it's you know very simple uh, to understand. Nothing extremely difficult uh, for, for that market. So when we kind of think about like teaching someone what would go into a course in person and then moving it into a digital platform, um, what, what are some of the advantages that you kind of see that go along with that? Uh, one of the things is 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 uh, is, uh, is a self uh, self pace and having immediate access on their own time. I think that's mm-hmm. really helpful. So we focus, uh, you know, mostly with online courses and such. And so you know, having that self pace, you know, access twenty four seven, three sixty five, whenever they so desire, I think is very uh, helpful. And of course you know, not make it extremely difficult to access is, is very helpful. And, of course, you know, depending on the courses or the certification, you know, earning something at the end of it is, is very helpful. Yeah, I could definitely see the certification kind of working in a way where people are able to get an immediate benefit once they're able to complete something. And going out there and uh, doing something on their own pace uh, seems very beneficial, especially if they want to improve their skills so then they could um, succeed further in life. Um, when you're looking at some of the um, disadvantages or I, I would assume when you kind of look at uh, the scope overall, most of this material, if you were to attend an in-person course, would probably be in English, while Spanish material might be pretty limited as the resources that one could kind of attain. Like, let's say you're living in, like, Arkansas or something like that, and you're going out there and trying to find resources that are more in your native tongue, it might be a little bit more difficult, would it not? 
Yeah, most definitely. You 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 made a good point because a lot of times in rural places across the country, Arkansas and such, and south or even north or west coast or east coast, you know, in those rural areas, it's a little difficult to obtain the the resources that they need because maybe that organization is miles and miles away. And so, of course, having this online is is extremely helpful. And of course, being able to even access it on a smartphone is even tremendously even more beneficial. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you see any downsides with learning an uh, online class as opposed to a physical one? Yeah, most definitely. And I think, you know, we're moving, you know, in, in, since the pandemic, and I think and I think we're more online and kind of a little less in person, even though some of us prefer in person. Yeah, so... Do you feel that, like, maybe there's a disconnect with, like, having a human instructor where people might disassociate a bit? Yeah, you know, I think the, 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 the I don't want to say downside, depending on who the person is, but, of course, you know, when you take an online course and, or, you know, when it's, you know, asynchronous, you know, sometimes you kind of miss that asking the instructor when you have an instructor or educator, whoever it may be, asking them a question that may pop up, you know, you can email them maybe perhaps, or sometimes there's not even somebody to contact. So I think that maybe is the only uh, downside to online, but um, yeah. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, so that kind of makes sense. Um, when it comes to uh, some of the things that you guys have done at Learn Genics, like uh, have you won any awards or accolades or done anything at scale? There, we you know we're we're striving to to win awards that would be uh, great. But one of the things that has has been very helpful is that we've actually managed to um, you know have partnerships that have been very beneficial. Like for example, with with um, Mind Edge, you know, and of course we are also a, a referral partner with D2L or Brightspace, and those you know you know authorized reseller with Cipher Learning, you know, and um, of course LMS portals. And the new one is learning battle cards. So we, you know, we've been able to do partnerships and that's been great. And of course, you know, getting, you know, name recognition out there. So we're striving to, to win awards. That's awesome. So you guys are doing a lot of things in this space and you're partnering with a lot of different places or kind of moving things. Um, have you uh, gone into any schools or institutions that are recognizable? Well, we actually, um, I actually am working with the uh, Oklahoma Council on Economic Education. Um, we have worked with their professional development uh, for, you know, their educator, their financial literacy educators. So I've been working, uh, you know, with, with that organization. Um, you know, in, in the past, I've also worked with uh, other organizations with another one, uh, Peacepreneur uh, in Dominican Republic. Um, so that's just some organizations and we continue to work with some more. Oh, awesome. So it sounds like you're kind of going all the way down the um, west side of the uh, globe, going all the way down to the Dominican <laughs> Republic. Um, do you yeah. see yourself in the future kind of expanding into like S South Af uh, America and so forth? Yes, the opportunity is there most definitely. Um, you know, of course, if, 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 the, if the partnerships or the clientele is right and you know, and of course, it makes economic sense, and most definitely. Awesome. So, when you kind of think about things like Meta and a few other companies are making huge Web three type plays, how do you think Web three kind of integrates into ed tech? Uh, what was that? What integrated with ed tech? Like Meta and other companies are making wow. like Web3 plays, Metaverse plays, moving into um, improving technology overall. And a lot of um, companies out there are using it to make like a virtual world that you can go and party in. Um, but there has to be some elements that could be uh, rolled over into the world of education, right? You know, um, look at, like, for example, Meta, I think those, you know, I don't know exactly what it's called, like those virtual goggles, those Meta ones. I looked into that. It was like a thousand some dollars, I think, if I'm right. You know, the cost factor is one hindrance, I think, right now. I mean, you know, what company is going to spend a thousand dollars per headset right now? And then, of course, people, you know, this generation, I think, we're still in that, you know, people to people 
so it's going to take a while. I mean, I don't think we're there yet. I think maybe in one generation or two, we'll be more at that meta phase. Um, you know, we'll slowly get there. And I think the pandemic helped, uh, you know, fast track that more now that we're more comfortable with, you know, Zoom and such and online and, you know, not seeing each other really and just going everything through online. So we'll see what happens in the future with that. So what you're saying is the biggest hurdle is kind of the cost and the barrier to entry to kind of buy the headset to move into that direction. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, like I, I looked at them and I was like, oh, they look really cool. And I looked at the cost, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to spend over $1,000 on those headsets when I may be the only one in my vicinity who does it. And I think right now with a quote-unquote you know, recession looming or you're talking about, I mean, what companies right now are really going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on these headsets, you know? Mm. And, yeah, and that makes a that, lot of sense. You have to consider this and, and when, when it comes to technology, you buy it, but how are you going to maintain it? You have to think about the maintenance costs as well because those things may break or get lost or stolen. So you have to you know, factor that in as well. So you don't really see it making much of an impact on how the uh, learning environments and ed tech is working in today's current time. I don't want to say I don't want to say no. I just think we're not there yet. But it it may be some time. It's just cost factor and acceptance from from the vast majority of society will have to will, will dictate that. But we may be there sooner rather than later. Who knows? Maybe I could be totally wrong. Maybe in five years we'll be more at that. But as of right now, I just, you know, I think the cost factor is a, a major hindrance. Yeah, they are pretty expensive, and um, it, it is new technology. Uh, it's going to take some time to really go out there and be adopted at the mainstream levels. Um, so yeah. when you kind of look at people who are taking courses and so forth now, um, you're acquiring a lot of data i assume yeah we we acquire uh we acquire data but uh, you know mostly our partners uh have that collection of, of data because we we're the resellers so we you know we both have that, that that data but you know we tend to be careful of course with that data because of privacy policy and such yeah i, I get that do you know um with that um with that data, if it's showing areas of improvement on how to go out there and deliver a course in a more better way where the end uh, learner is able to really pull through and gain more insights from the courses and um, actualize that material better? Yeah, so, like, for example, our partner, uh, MindEdge, they do a really good job of, you know, when they collect the data, you know, you know, it looks like, you know, who, you know, the login and the completion of the course. And I think, you know, of course, if you, you know, go on our website, learngenic.com, and click on the course and you, you go to one of them, you can see also the success rate in terms of people who, you know, who enjoyed or liked the course or their certificate. Um, and of course, it helps us track in that data to see what works and what doesn't. Um, and I think one, one thing also as well that helps the completion rate is, of course, you have so much time of access time once you purchase the course. So that, of course, helps. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I only have, you know, a year or so or, you know, so many months of, of access to this. I better complete this because I paid for this. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, one of the things that I've kind of personally seen, and I, I've read data here and there that says, like, um, the course completion rate when it comes to, like, uh, let's say I buy, like, an online course on, on how to make cookies or how to DJ or something random like that, right? Like, the online yeah. course completion rate for things like that is kind of low, um, what, what kind of, uh, data do you have behind the completion rate of things? Well, in regards to the completion rate, so we, we do collect that, um, and it's pretty, it's pretty high depending on what, 
for example, like with, with, with our Mine Edge partners, it's, it's pretty high because of the access timing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you only have so many, so much time, so I think that helps ramp up the completion. You know, with the Spanish training courses, there's a high because we have somebody who, you know, is kind of the facilitator for us, so making sure that they complete it. Uh, those courses. I think if you have someone who pushes you to complete it, I'll help you. You know, if nobody's there really to push you to it, then of course you're going to like, eh, I don't need to do it. So what you're kind of saying is like um, a lot of these courses online that you can get from anywhere, it's kind of do it yourself all the way through. But then with someone out there going, hey, um, you got to take your course, da 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 da, or kind of. Uh, providing that context and that extra nudge and so forth, that's really what's driving a higher completion rate. I think, you know, there's, there's a number of factors that could be one, you know, like if you have a facilitator instructor pushing you, Hey, you know, you got to complete this, but also it's, it's on the, it's on the learner itself. Like, you know, they have to have some intrinsic motivation to complete this, whether it's for a degree, whether it's for work, whether it's they pay for it. If there's no motivation to complete, of course, and like, for example, like I have so many like Coursera courses that I got for free that I still need to complete. I mean, there's nothing, if I don't, I didn't pay for it and, you know, I have, you know, I already have my education, so do I need to complete this? No, but if someone pushed me to it and if I paid for it or I needed to do it for, you know, for other purposes, then of course I'm going to, you know, be more motivated to complete that course. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Well, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Oh, where can people find you again, Dr. J? So they can visit LearnGenics, so www.learngenics.com. Um, they can definitely uh, visit that website. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Larry Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Uh, Leonard Kim here. Dr. J, we've been talking a lot about the world of EdTech from the uh, challenges and successes that EdTech brings to a lot about LearnGenics. Um, when it comes to entrepreneurship and EdTech, it's not as uh, seductive of an industry as like 
tech or like business because you're not going out there and going after like the billion dollar exits and so forth and while it is possible most ed tech companies don't end up there it's usually more around the world of education education and improving society currently and for the next generation and the next generation to come through education as the forefront of what's being done um, I guess one, Dr. J, when it comes to being an entrepreneur in the ed tech space, it's a, uh, what would you say are the biggest differences that you see versus being a conventional entrepreneur? Well, um, I think one of the things is that it's a, uh, it's a tough market because you're only, de- you're mostly in the ed tech world, you're, you're dealing with not only the individual, but a lot of the B2B are tends to be institutions of higher education or K-12 who tend to move slowly. They don't make quick decisions, right? I mean, if you're going to go try to sell a platform or something to a K-12 institution or district, you know, they got to go through a humongous process, which can take months and not days. And so how do you project cash flow for something that can take months and a decision, you know, compared to a couple of days or a day or, or hours if you're selling it to a particular individual if you're in the non-attack world. Um, you know, same thing in higher ed. You know, it takes, you know, if you're selling a learning management system platform, you know, it's going to take heavy buy-in in a higher education institution because it's going to take a while for that decision-making. And, and then you got to revamp their systems and everything. It's a whole process. It can take months, if not a year or so. So that is one of the things. And of course, you know, you're selling to people or institutions that, you know, money is not in abundance. So, you know, again, like you have to be very conscious of that as well. Um, and and the, the buy-in as well. Yeah, for sure. Like when I was working at the University of Southern California, like we get pitch software all the time. And uh, when we pitch something, um, we run it by um, one person would be like, wow, this is amazing. And then we bring in the second person and they'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Then we bring in the department. They'll be like, but I have questions. Then we have to go through all the questions and, you know, that takes a really long time to kind of go through because it's not just one person having questions. It's a lot of people. Then the presentation has to kind of go all the way up the chain and all the way up the ladder. Then it goes over to uh, budgeting and purchasing whenever it's approved. And next thing you know, like three to six months after you think everything's said and done, that's when the... um, vendor actually receives a check so yeah it is a pretty slow process yeah it, it is and i think that's what we have to realize and i, and I think what i see too is um the, the, sometimes there's some organ you know ed tech companies that make this mistake of you know the majority of, the, of of their their decision makers are people who've never been in the education world which is a big mistake because they don't know the process. They think it's fast and quick in like in corporate America or, or business, and it's not. You know, it's, it's a little much more difficult to get buy-in from that that specific field. And if you don't know that process, you're going to get frustrated. Like, why can't you make a decision fast? And I go, well, it's, it's a process. It's going to take a while because the education system still has their own processes. And so that's what I see the mistake. You you got to have people in the decision making room who've been in those environments that can help guide that process. Yeah, and I can see that even being uh, like a challenge. Like, let's say you're a brand new startup in the ed tech field, and maybe you haven't even gone through your fundraising round yet, and you're trying to get your platform into uh, different um, institutions, and the cash flow issue before something actually goes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a. I think that, that's um, that's a huge. I don't. Want to, I don't. I can't. You know, name all the mistakes, but I think that's one thing that they have to remind themselves. Like, yeah, if you're selling, like, if you're starting a learning management system, right, and and that's your startup, you have to realize you have a tough road ahead of you. You, it may take up to a year before you make that big sell at a K twelve or a higher education institution. So how are you going to make ends meet for that entire year? You know, it, 
you know, if you're trying to make that sell or sales. Yeah. And on top of that, let's say you have a revolutionary process that people just kind of get it immediately. And it's like earth shattering and like revolutionary to the entire industry. You still got to go through all that red tape. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you do. And the process, yeah. And, yeah. And especially if you're dealing with like young kids, like, you know, kindergartners or, you know, you know, especially K-12, like, there's a lot of red tape around there. You just can't go into a school, buzz in there and be like, hey, I'm going to sell it to these kids. Like, ah, no, no, slow your roll, wait, you know? So it's, a, you know, a difficult buy-in there as well because of the red yeah. tape around young kids. For sure. And then um, usually a lot of institutions will want to know how this worked at other places first. So if you're coming out of the gates with something and you don't have anything to uh, back it up on based off another institution, like that barrier is even bigger. Yeah, correct. And I think one of the things, too, is now with learning analytics um, in education, you know, that's a big topic of conversation is like, you know, these learning management systems and such are collecting this data, but what are you doing with it? You know, and especially in higher education, I see it mostly in higher education. It's like, what are you doing with that data? Um, you know, and of course, protecting people's privacy. Um, that's, a, that's a huge topic of conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think nowadays, more than ever, people are very cautious about their data when it comes to privacy. Like maybe 10 years ago, like people didn't really know how their data was being used. So they didn't really mind if a company used it or not. But nowadays, uh, when we've seen uh, the social media companies mostly get into so much trouble, it's made people a lot more protective of their data overall. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting how the world kind of works when you kind of piece all that together. Um, so there are a lot of challenges. Uh, what's some of the things that you kind of do to face these challenges, get through them, and keep motivating yourself to keep going? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs out there struggle when it comes to finding that motivation. Yeah, I think one of the things, like, it's just, you know, you have to have that discipline focus and having a mission in your head, like, why do you do this at the end of the day? Um, you know, just having that, you know, that intrinsic motivation within yourself, you know, excuse me, knowing that you're doing something for the betterment of the environment and society, um, because it does get difficult, you know, it does get difficult with the competition and, you know, the decision-making. And so you just have to kind of, you know, and also, you know, kind of you know, spread yourself in regards to, you know, okay, if, you know, this practice for this environment, you also have to focus, you know, try to see if we can go on this environment, we can get the easy sell in the sense, like for the individual. So kind of spreading yourself a little bit more around instead of just being so focused on one particular product helps. Yeah, for sure. And I feel that uh, just being alive for about 37 years, you you would assume that um life would get easier at some point, but it, the challenges seem to arise no matter what you're doing in the entrepreneurial world, and there really isn't that much uh, that makes life, especially when it comes to work, easier. So the challenges are always there. So when you talk about purpose, it makes a lot of sense because if that purpose isn't there, it might be easy to kind of just uh, lose that motivation when it comes to building something up yep definitely yeah so um, with your organization do you find that collaborating with others makes it a lot easier to push through as well or do you find that alone time kind of uh, helps you thrive oh yeah most definitely I think I, I mentioned it once um, I, I was in an interview and you know, and I said, there's nothing wrong with collaboration, even if it's your, you know, well, not all of your competition, but, you know, because, you know, other companies, organizations may not sell the same product or service. And, and you know, you guys can help each other out. And I think collaboration is, is a big key factor. I mean, that's what helped build Learngenics with collaboration with, you know, other people who are trying to get their product and service out there, like MindEdge, you know, they're, 
they don't really do, you know, they're not in the business of, you know, selling to a particular individual. They're in the business of finding partners such as myself to resell their courses. And so that kind of partnership and along, you know, with Cypher Learning, you know, definitely, you know, helps out. So partnerships and collaboration is definitely a big importance, in, in, especially in that tech as well. Yeah, for sure. And I feel that a lot of people out there when they're first starting out and things like that, they're kind of going at it alone. And when you're going at something alone, it's a lot more difficult because you're your only source of uh, inspiration and so forth. But as you kind of mentioned, collaborating with people inside and outside of your organization, like those uh, ideas and those uh passions kind of spark and you're able to help motivate each other to kind of move further. Would you agree? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely uh, helpful. Awesome. Do you have any other tips to kind of go out there and uh, bring inspiration and move things along? I think one of the tips is, I think, other than, you know, other than experience, um, just, I think, listening and, and reading about the particular field, um, I think is very helpful. And I think coming in as a student, in a sense, of listening, I think, is, is, is very helpful because especially in the ad tech world, you know, when you're dealing with educators and such, you know, they don't like to be talked down to or like, oh, I'm the smartest person in the room because imagine you trying to sell this particular ad tech technology or learning management system in a room full of people with PhDs and such. They don't really like to be talked on to, you know. You may think because you have experience doesn't mean that you can, you know. So just being humble, uh, or by yourself and, and just being learning a lot. And I think, you know, when you take like an inbound sales course, they talk about, you know, listening and doing your research. That definitely is helpful uh, in the tech space as well. Yeah, for sure. And especially like when I was working over at USC, I was dealing mostly with um, MDs where I would meet with chairs, which are, you know, pretty much the top of the mm-hmm. chain. And, yeah, it's an interesting environment because you're working with um, highly accomplished academics and there's a certain way to go about speaking with them. And I love what you said about going out there and envisioning yourself as a student yourself because you're in the journey with them. Yeah, most definitely. Awesome. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing all these insights with us, uh, Dr. J. Where can people find you online again? So they can visit my personal uh, at www.jphd18.com. Um, that's number 18. And then, of course, uh, www.learngenics.com. Awesome. And you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.